The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, great to be on with you. It is September 8th. By the way, before we get into the prospect coverage, I just want to send our thoughts out to the family of Michael K. Williams. Um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of eerie. I just started watching the wire and Michael K. Williams, I'd seen in other things, but I'd actually just watched the episode, like episode three, where he debuted and they like held up the stash spot. So that kind of like shook me a little bit. And um just wanted to mention that even though I've not, that I'm just starting the wire, I, uh, I feel the loss there of Michael K. Williams. Yeah, that, that was a big surprise. Um, yeah, definitely. He was in The Sopranos too. Yeah, um, he was hiding. Uh, who was that? A Bobby or not Bobby, but uh, Jackie Junior. Right. Um, he was also. Yeah, he was in. He's been. He's been in a ton of, or he was in a ton of uh, HBO stuff. He was in Boardwalk Empire. He was in um, uh, called the the Night of or or something like that that I watched a few years ago. Um, I mean, oh, he yeah, was, I watched oh, that too. That was good. Yeah, yeah, he was he was awesome in everything he was in. It's a real shame. Yeah, that's too bad. I remembered uh, he just had a very unique style, and obviously that that scar on his face, just very unique uh, guy. And yeah, thinking about him, uh, yeah, I am I am getting into the wire. And somebody mentioned Boardwalk Empire as another David Chase project I have to watch. So. I got a lot on my docket as far as that goes. James, you had a good idea for the show today. You want to kind of explain what you're thinking and what our little activity is going to be here today? Yeah, you know, I the question I probably get as much as, as any is like, where would this former prospect rank if he were still eligible for the top 400? 
And I, I hate that question, and we're not going to answer that question today, but I do like to analyze these guys with kind of an eye toward uh, redraft leagues, you know, because once a guy's lost his prospect eligibility, I think it's just more instructive to compare them to other big leaguers versus other prospects. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through every hitting prospect who was in the top 200 prospects for the magazine this past winter who has graduated. And I think it's, it's about, it's like 15 or 20 guys. So these guys, none of these guys are prospect eligible anymore, but they all were before the season. And we're going to go in order of how they were ranked before the season. And I've kind of put in sort of ballpark guesses for what I think their ADP is going to be uh, for 2022. And then you can tell me uh, if you think I'm too high, too low in terms of where I think they're going to be going in drafts. And then we can both kind of weigh in on whether we would be interested in drafting these guys at that cost. Um, I think that that, you know, could be fun. I mean, I think there's going to be, um, some prospect or some former prospects who get really overdrafted. There always are. Uh, and I also think there are going to be some guys that get underdrafted. Uh, and it'll be kind of, you know, I think it might be a little instructive too to kind of go in order of how they were ranked heading into the year. Um, you know, and you can kind of follow along and see whether that, that uh, pedigree actually ended up um, kind of being uh, indicative of where things are going to go for them as rookies or whether they maybe fell way short of that or, or maybe really overperformed where they were ranked. Well, I think this is a great idea and I look forward to talking these players through. Um, I kind of am guilty and I, I, I hate the term like shiny new toy, but I am kind of guilty of being like the kid in toy story and just, I don't want to play with you anymore <laughs> after a guy kind of struggles initially, but I need to circle back and not just, Obviously, not just get uh, infatuated with the the hot new prospect. So we'll get into these. But real quick, the the real prospect news, the only real prospect news of the last week or so, Josh Lowe coming up. Uh, you kind of suggested that was going to happen at some point this year. General expectations for Josh Lowe before we get into today's topic. Uh, I think he's going to get sent right back down as soon as Arazarena comes off the paternity list. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Passan uh, broke this news this morning. I wrote the note at like 730 and um, even Passan said like in a, in a subsequent tweet, like this, this might not be a a long stay for him. Like he's probably, he's probably going to be going back down fairly soon. So um, I love Josh Lowe. I mean, I think it's a it's a bummer that he's with the Rays because I think that it really makes it it could be a frustrating next year or so uh, trying to get the proper amount of fantasy value from Josh Lowe just given the situation there and how crowded it is. But uh, I mean his his power and speed, you know, it, he's got like I I think I said in his preseason outlook like he could go twenty twenty or maybe even 25, 25, even if he was on the strong side of a platoon. Like that's how much power and speed he brings to the table. So um, really appealing long-term for fantasy, but doesn't seem like a situation where there's going to be much room for profit in the short term. 
Well, let's get into the topic you picked out for today, and that's players in the preseason, top 200 prospect lists uh, who have graduated and expectations for next season. And Wander Franco, man, he's been just brilliant. Uh, 20 years old, and he's just getting on base, doing really everything he can. I guess maybe not quite as much like category juice as you might expect, but that's just getting greedy. Um given the guy has a 285, 346, 467 slash line, seven homers, two bags. Where do you think he's going to be going next year? So my my guess is he's going to go in the 40 to 60 range. Um, and for this, uh, I'm, I'm doing like 15-team NFBC Roto drafts. Uh, that's I think that's kind of standard. I mean, that's like TGFBI, the main event. Um, so we're going to be doing that for for those formats when we're guessing where these guys are going to be going. Uh, I, I think he's going to go in the 40 to 60 range. Do you think I'm too high, too low, just right? My first instinct was that was a little high, but now that I think about it, I think that's about right. 40 to 60. Somebody's going to jump him up. Uh, somebody's going to be in love. And I mean, I'm, I'm basically in love. I thought maybe well, he'd run a little bit more. Um, I think I think Vlad Jr.'s success this year is going to lead to people thinking like Franco's the next Vlad, and I I can't miss out on him after missing out on Vlad last year or or something along those lines. Like I I I'll I'll come right out and say I would not be interested in that range. Um, and you, you kind of hit on it there with the, the speed comment. Um, it's not that he, you know, I think he can finish the year earning like in, in terms of earned auction dollars or whatever. I think he can earn that, you know, that amount. Um, but just from a roster construction standpoint, uh, I like getting speed from my middle infielders um, and he's going to give you some speed, uh, but you know, maybe he gives you seven steals, eight steals, maybe he gives you 10 or 12, but, um, you know, if, if he's not going to hit 30 homers and he's not going to steal 15 bases, um, you know, a lot of the value is just going to be in the, the runs and the batting average. And um, that's just not – those aren't necessarily categories I'm looking to really uh, prioritize with a third or fourth round pick. So I, I, I think he could be a very valuable player next year, but that's a range where I'm, I'm probably going to be going after someone who's going to steal closer to 20 bases or – maybe one of the best closers or uh, an SP2, something like that. I hear you. I don't want to say I'm going to be out on him in that range because I'll probably talk myself into into him in a few spots. But, you know, the bat to ball is just so good. And he does have 88th percentile sprint speed I'm seeing on baseball savant. So certainly the athleticism and the ability to steal more bags. But even though he's putting bat to ball so consistently – the quality of the contacts is lack, lacking a little bit. 5.3% barrel rate, 349 x Wobon contact. Wander Franco's obviously got a bright 
bright future, probably a perennial all-star. Uh, what he's doing at age 20 is really impressive. But, yeah, I think generally there's going to be somebody who pushes him up a little bit too aggressively. Now, Jared Kalnick's been one of my bigger misses in recent years, and I'm I'm paying dearly for it, James. Um, I actually still have him going against Ariel Cohen and Tout head-to-head, but hopefully I'll be swapping Kelnick out of my lineup Friday when Xander Bogarts comes back. You have him going in the 200 to 250 range. I have a feeling he may go a little higher than that. I feel like somebody's still going to gonna buy the, the name brand on Kelnick. Well, so here's – I think he goes in the 200 to 250 range – um, you know, February, early March, I could see him really creeping up if he has a big spring. Yeah. Um, the thing is like, you know, read redraft players are very unforgiving of prospects who struggle and it often, it often leads to there being a really nice buying opportunity on those guys. If it's, if it's someone that uh, just, you know, their, their best days are ahead of them. The redraft community, I think generally wants to see it before they believe it. And so I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are just, that really hold this year against Kalnick. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I, I felt like he might be going outside the top 200. Um, what, what do you, what do you think you're going to do with him? Um, let's, let's say he's going in like the 175 to 250 range. What, what do you, what do you think you're going to do? You know, I'm trying to work on it, but I'm such a stubborn person, James. My mom used to say, <laughs> Uh, my family has said it, and I am stubborn. So I see myself going back in on Kelnick, uh, but I don't want to do it just because I've, you know, I don't want to just double down and just do it because I was in on him as a prospect. I need to kind of look into it. And there was an interesting article from Devin Fink, uh, a fan graphs just, just a week ago uh, or so. I guess it was September 2nd. But he noted that Kelnick's poor combination of contact quality and plate discipline has made him one of the worst hitters in baseball when swinging this year. And I just thought the bat speed, he'd be just fine when swinging. So I'm a little concerned about, you know, the approach and maybe there being a few more holes in that swing than I realized. But, uh, you know, the opportunity is going to be there. Again, I'm trying not to just, because I was in this year, double down. But I, I see myself being in at that range that you laid out. I think I'm going to be out on Kelnick um, next year. I, for me, it's, um, you know, I don't want to draft a guy that I have to start who could do a lot of damage early in the year. And then I get sort of stuck in a thing where like, do I, am I going to be patient with this guy and risk him doing even more damage? Am I going to take him out of my lineup and then get really frustrated when he has a good week and he's out of my lineup? Um, I just, I think that I'm going to kind of take a year. I, I mean, I wasn't in on Kelnick this year. Um, so I don't, I don't have any kind of emotional scarring there, but um, I just, 
you know, I don't know. I I'm, I'm all for taking a big swing and, and trying to, uh, get some upside in certain scenarios, but I think the downside, um, I mean, you're going to have to draft him as probably like your OF four, uh, and outfield has really been a, a position that, um, has given me some trouble in some 15 teamers that the, the first four outfield spots, I'm, I'm usually very strong, but then, you know, by this time in the year, you've usually dealt with some injuries or something. And, um, I just, I kind of want a bit more safety, I think in that range. And, um, if he, you know, if I'm wrong, if I'm a year late, I'm getting Kelnick, uh, that's I'm, I'm okay with that. I just, I don't want to get in a situation where he's really doing a lot of damage to my batting average early in the year. And, um, at least that's where I'm at right now. I might uncover something in my off season prep where I change my mind on that. But, um, I, you know, I think I'm just, I'm going to let him probably be on someone else's team next year. I hear you. It's never the worst thing to just, sit a year out because very rarely is a guy like that going to really like, you know, in baseball, it's really hard for one player to be a true league winner. And from what we've seen this year, Kelnick, I mean, isn't all that close to being in that tier of a producer. And I was looking at his game log, trying to find any slivers of hope, any silver linings. And really it's like, you know, whatever arbitrary endpoint you want to go back to, (laughs) he's batting like, you know, 188, um, just four extra base hits over his last 14 games, 21 Ks over that stretch. It's, there really hasn't been that that improvement that you'd love to see. It's kind of kind of a bummer, but he was so highly touted coming in that I just I don't want to let one poor stretch uh, completely sour me on this kid. 70 games, it's not a small sample, but I think he's a lot better than than he's shown so far this year. Andrew Vaughn was a guy you were in on in a lot of drafts. Um, it was obviously frustrating early on, but you you nailed it. You said just give Tony Larusa a couple of weeks to figure out that Andrew Vaughn's one of you know one of the nine best hitters on this team, and he'll be in there. So uh, since Vaughn has kind of settled in, he's been pretty good. So where do you see him going in twenty twenty two? You know, I'm thinking the one fifty to two hundred range. Um, he obviously hasn't been, you know, I don't think anyone's going to look at what he's done this year and be scared off and be like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to roster that. But, um, I also think, uh, people might look at him as like a two and a half or three category guy. And, uh, you know, he, he will be outfield eligible. Uh, I do not. How many how many games do you need to qualify in NFBC? Twenty. Twenty. Yeah, he won't be he won't be eligible anywhere other than outfield. Then, uh, most likely. So, if he had the one B O F eligibility, then maybe he'd go a little higher. But um, <clears throat> I think he's going to be kind of a one fifty to two hundred guy, and I'm going to be I'm going to be in. Like I, I think Vaughn could could end up being one of my most rostered guys next year. Um, I just think contextually for him to 
be playing out of position basically all year and for him to have never played a double a never played a triple a and to have been as solid as he's been um i mean his spray chart is is immaculate uh he just he hits homers to all fields it's it's really easy for him um to use the whole field and uh, to, to like to be a basically a first base DH prospect and to, to only strike out 21% of the time uh, with all that that context, uh, I'm I'm incredibly impressed with Vaughn's season. So I think there's definitely another level there. I mean, I, I think he's a, a little similar to me to like a guy like Austin Riley in terms of just these. There's going to be these developmental steps that are just that are really big. Um, and so I, I think, you know, he, he might add one B eligibility in season. Um, but I, you know, I think he could go from, he's at 15 homers now in 118 games. I mean, I think he could go to from 15 to 30 homers next year. And I think the batting average will be quite a bit better as well. So I'm, I'm going to be all in. If, if I'm right about that range, I'm going to be all in. You know, it's an unfair comp to, to Vaughn, but I kind of see him like at his peak is kind of like current Goldie. It's kind of underrated. Keeps keeps producing. I think he's just going to hit, and uh, I don't expect him to have the career that Paul Goldschmidt has had. But I feel like he's going to kind of be the guy who quietly does it, and is kind of underrated by the the vast majority of the fantasy community uh, in the years to come. I think I'll be in on Vaughn as well in that range. Um, we'll see, but I think that's – if it is 150 to 200, not any steeper than that, I think I'll be in. Real quick before we move on, we have to take a quick break and throw to uh, some commercials on the show from our sponsors. We'll be back momentarily. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, 
purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now we're back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Taking a look at some of the preseason top 200 prospects who have graduated and where we expect them to go in drafts 20, in 2022 and whether or not we're in on them. Alex Kirilov, James, I had high expectations, only 59 games before that wrist injury cut his season short. Do you think he's going to be kind of a forgotten man in drafts next year? Uh, I think there's that chance except for one big thing and that's that his stat cast data is really really strong so we're gonna get a lot of screenshots of his baseball smart page yeah 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 like um there's gonna be a lot of a lot of think pieces out there about alex kirloff's xba and his x slug and and stuff like that so uh, I think he's going to go in the 150 to 200 range as well. Um, not, you know, Vaughn, Vaughn has sort of a longer, you know, he's, he's been healthy most of the year and Kirilov obviously uh, the opposite, but um, they were similarly productive when they were both playing and Kirilov's stack cast data, I think is going to, there's going to be a lot of people that are just all over Kirilov. Uh, but I do think the, the uncertainty, I mean, the lack of track record, I mean, Kirilov was a well-known prospect for sure, but he's not, he's not this uh, super, super hyped up guy uh, in the redraft circles. So um, I think 150 to 200 is, is maybe where he'll go. Uh, do you think that's about right or, or am I a little too high or a little too low there? My first thought is that seems a little too high given, you know, He's been out to end the season. People may forget about him a little bit. So I feel like maybe closer to, to 200, 250, but okay. you may be right. You may be right. People see that stat cast number, those numbers, and, and jump him up. But uh, coming off the wrist, you know, wrist always scares people off, wrist issues. So um, I think, you know, I may be out on him if, if he is going inside the top 200. That seems – Given the nature of the injury, the small sample, that seems a little high for me. But I, every now and then I'm reminded of some takes I had over the last winter, and I just I have to laugh, James. You just have to laugh. But I remember being like, oh, Kirilov, my OF5, watch out. That, that would have been great. If he'd stayed healthy, you would have yeah, loved that. I would have loved it. Could have um, been nice. But he, the funniest have... one is – I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say the funniest one I was reminded of recently was like landing Michael Franco in AL only thinking that was like a big win. <laughs> that that, that was just comedy looking back. That, no, comedy a, in, in the moment too. That was a big score, man. Um, <laughs> I remember, I remember talking about that on the radio show. 
Yeah, I thought Kirilov, getting $1 Michael Franco is going to really push me over the edge. Kirilov does have the 1B outfield eligibility, so that's that's a nice kind of sweetener there. Um, I mean, the wrist, yeah, it, I'll be interested to see what if, if Jeff Stotts writes about him at all for us during the winter, but um, – yeah, maybe. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope it is 200 to 250 for Kirilov because I would, I would be all about him in that range. I mean, he's got a ton of power potential, and I think he's got more batting average potential than some people might realize. So, um, and I mean, he he should have a really locked in spot in that lineup, um, probably right in the middle of it. So. Uh, that'd be great. I mean, at 150 to 200, I think it'd be one of those things where I'd want some exposure, but I wouldn't want to take them everywhere. But, um, yeah. I hear you, man. Well, in my head, I have it that Dylan Carlson's been, you know, he's been fine. That's just what I kind of have in my head. But then you look at the numbers, 13 homers, two bags, 259 average. He's been a detriment to the teams I have him on, frankly. Uh, quite frankly, that's a Vince McMahon thing. Um, he loves saying quite frankly. But uh, 48 RBI, it's been really not that good of a season for, for Carlson. I still like the talent. Uh, he was still prospect eligible heading into the season. Do you see him kind of going in that same range as Vaughn and Kirilov? Or do you think he's going to get pushed up a little higher? Um, I, th- I thought 150 to 200 on all three of those guys. Uh, you know, you're, you're right. Like if you, if you just compare Vaughn, Kirilov and Carlson, Carlson's been the least productive on a per plate appearance basis. He's also a year younger than those guys. Um, but you know, there's, there's not much you can point to and be like, Oh, look at this with Carlson. Like, you know, I, I think this has been mildly disappointing uh, but the one thing that I think is going to keep him in this range is just the fact that he's probably going to be the Cardinals number three hitter again. Like he's, he's been hitting third for them for most of the year, if not the whole year, um, or at least he's been hitting high in the lineup for most of the year. And so I think those plate appearances, you know, that, that gives you a, a decently high floor and you can hope that a guy who's 22 is a bit better when he's 23. So I don't see him falling too much further than like 200, but um, this one is admittedly tough for me to predict because uh, there might not be a ton of upside to really dream on with Carlson. Like you're, you're probably hoping that he is more of like a 280 hitter and, and more of like a 20 homer guy. Um, so I think of, of these three, I wouldn't be against going after Carlson, but I'd probably, I'd probably rank them Vaughn Kirilov Carlson for next year. Interesting. You know, you mentioned Alex Kirilov's strong stack cast numbers on the other side of the coin. Dylan Carlson's got a lot of blue on his page, blue ink. If you will, folks, uh, I wanted to see his sprint speed. He's got, you know, only 71st percentile. You think, you know, at 22 years old, he's got a pretty athletic build. Um, I think he'd put that to use a little bit more than he has, but really the, the stolen bases 
that he showed in the minors really just haven't been there and probably not not going to be a, a big part of his game. He's still 20 in just 2019. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think his best fantasy categories might be runs and RBI. Uh, hope, hopefully, bat, hopefully batting average is in there too, but I think his, his two worst fantasy categories are going to be home runs and stolen bases. Yeah, you know, he's a you know, switch hitter again, only 22. He could be a guy who is a nice nice value. And maybe like again, opposite Kirillov, people will dump that Stackhouse page on the internet and people will start to sour on him more as the uh, offseason progresses. Randy Rosarena, it's been uh you know, he's gone through some peaks and valleys, but overall it's been a pretty good year for Rosarena. Do you see him going around where he's going this season or higher, lower? Uh, I think he goes right in that range. I, I have him going in the 40 to 60 range, just like Franco. Um, you know, I, this is all just me guessing. Um, so I, I could be wrong. I could be way off on some of these, but uh the NFBC crowd is going to look at Arazarena and look at the five category production, uh, particularly the double digit stolen bases. And I just don't, I just don't see him falling past 60 really when you, when you factor all that in, um, you know, if, if you want to like combine uh, 2020 and 2021, he's, got 26 homers and 17 steals in 145 games. I mean, that's, you know, it's not 2020, but it's, it's pretty darn close and very, very productive for five category Roto. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's another level really there with a Rosarena, but I think if, if you can just get him to repeat what he did this year, then I don't, I don't really see him not being worth that because just getting a guy who steals 15 plus bases and doesn't hurt you anywhere. Like that's, that's tough to do. Yeah. He had all that recency bias, you know, helium after last season, but in the postseason run, but really he's kind of justified that excitement with what he's done this season. So I'm with you that uh, his draft costs kind of holding steady. Most likely, by the way, a guy who has pretty similar numbers to a Rosarena this year, I don't have him. I think I maybe have him on one team, but I didn't really realize until I had to write a rap note on him uh, the other night. But uh, Tyler O'Neill, in terms of homers and steals and batting average, pretty darn similar to Rosarena. Um, he's a guy, though, that I'm I'm probably going to be fading next year. I just – I mean, maybe he goes inside the top 100. And if that's the case on Tyler O'Neill, I mean – Well, I – I've got him in a couple leagues thanks to Todd Whitestone. And uh, I mean, I I don't know. I think he might be. He's I'd recommend maybe I'd recommend maybe looking into that a bit more because I, I, I mean, he, he's definitely going to go in the top 100. Like Tyler, I think Tyler O'Neill probably goes in that exact range. Yeah, maybe I saw he was one of like 16 guys with uh, 2010 or 20. Uh, 20 plus homers and 10 plus bags, but yeah, he's you know, if I you just see those, myself put those stat lines right next to each other, it'd be hard to differentiate. Well, I, I could see myself being out on O'Neill because of the cost, but 
you know, if, like if I could get O'Neill steals growth or is pretty legitimate. Um, I mean, I just, he, he, he's really fast. He hits the ball really, really hard. He's going to play every day. Um, I, you know, the, those are strong selling points. I, I wouldn't want him. Like I would take a Rosarena over O'Neill, I think, but, uh, you know, if, if O'Neill ends up going closer to like pick 100, then I'd I'd love to to scoop him up. Now I'm a little surprised that you have Brian Hayes next year on your initial guess here, going outside the top 200, 200 to 250 range. He was a guy that in some rooms going inside the top 100 this year. Of course, he got hurt and on the field in his 80 games. Really hasn't produced much. Uh, does have five bags, but only five homers, 254 average. We knew he was playing over his skis last year, but I did kind of think that um, there was a higher baseline here for Cabrian Hayes. Um, I feel like he should be going inside the top 200 next year, but what's the, the case for him going outside of it, aside from the offense? Well, um, so in 104 career games, He's got a 349 OBP and he's got just six steals. And that's that's the part I don't really like because I I always thought he would be a 10 to 15 steal guy per year. And you know, for him to be getting on base that often and to have just six steals in over a hundred games, it it makes it pretty tough for me to project double digit steals from him. So you really need the, you know, I, I don't think he's a 254 hitter. Uh, you know, I, I think he's closer to a 280 hitter than a 250 hitter, maybe even a tad better than 280. But uh, we just don't really know what type of power to expect. So if, if you're going to be a third baseman who hits like, say, 270 with, I don't know, like 12 home runs and eight steals i you know is that <laughs> i just don't i don't know if there's going to be much of a market for that um i i'd like to do a bit more digging on hayes to to kind of fully decide where i'm at on on wanting to invest in him next year but i don't think there's going to be much excitement for him because you know people love power and people love speed and if if a guy's not really going to give you much of either of those things uh that doesn't mean they're a bad pick in a certain range but i just don't see there being much buzz on him the guy who has provided both power and speed jazz chisholm where are you on him because he's kind of quietly hit the skids a little bit jazz i'm a fan of the kid but um it seems like he's been a little quiet lately yeah, lately. Uh, but I mean, the season numbers are still really, really strong, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, you it's know, a three fifteen on base, but I mean, fantasy wise, pretty darn good. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I would not uh, have even expected him to have a three fifteen on base this year. So, um, I mean, he's still been a really pleasant surprise for me. Um, you know, he's. To have a strikeout rate under 30% is a big win for him this year. To be hitting over 250 is a big win for him this year. And, 
I think he's just scratching the surface on his power potential. Um, we, we know he's going to attempt stolen bases. He's got 18 steals in a hundred games this year. Um, maybe, I mean, the fact that you're so down on him or at least his season suggests to me, maybe I am over predicting where he's going to go. Uh, like I, I think, I think he's going to go in the 50 to 75 range because of that speed and that power. Uh, but do you, you think I'm a little over a little, little bullish on that, that ADP projection? Well, when I saw that among the players we've talked about, I've had like the strongest immediate urge to say, I'm not going to be, you know, internally I had that urge. Like, no, I'm not 50 to 75. No, I'm going to be out on jazz. He's kept the running up since the all-star break, but in 34 games since the intermission, just 239 average, two, uh, 298 on base. 381 slug. It just seems like that heater he was on was, uh, you know, obviously unsustainable. And I, I just feel like maybe we got a little carried away, not like you and me, but like just general fantasy community, maybe put him up on a pedestal a little too soon. Um, I will say this, though. If he's going, you know, if I were to have straight up between Jazz and like Adalberto Mondesi, I may actually go jazz, but I feel like both of those guys probably going to go a little too high or a little bit higher than they should because of the speed. Modesty, yeah, I mean, like having a crazy September again, going to be uh, overvalued again, overdrafted probably. I'm really, I'm like of all these guys, that's funny. That's We're like coming from very different places then. Cause I, I think jazz is a guy that I'm extremely excited about for next year. Um, you know, I, I am, uh, I just really love the talent and I think he's a guy that's just gonna, like, I, I don't see him, like, I see him improving on the strikeouts next year and I see him walking more next year and I see him hitting for more power next year. Uh, so I, I mean, I, if I can, I, like, I think he could go, he could go 25, 25. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited about jazz, but that that's fun to disagree sometimes. Yeah. I just think, you know, there's still some work to be done with the plate discipline and um, yeah, I'm just a little worried about him in that range. I don't know if he's the caliber of bat that, you know, deserves to be going in that range, but again, I'd probably take him over Mondesi. People are just, people just forget with modesty that the Royals have already said, like we can't trust him as an everyday player. Um, I know he's going crazy again this September, but I feel like they've already kind of, I mean, not shut the door on modesty and an everyday guy, but it seems like they're kind of, the organization is kind of doing what they can to temper public expectations uh, for modesty. So I think we should listen to the organization. Brandon Marsh. Man, what a heater he was on. I know Jeff Zimmerman, his article last week, called it one of the most unsustainable heaters he's ever seen. And the numbers, you know, the K numbers do back that up. Some hard regression coming, but uh, do you think Marsh still going to be deserving of like a top 300 pick next year? Uh, I, you know, I, I projected and that it'll go in the 250 to 300 range. I'm not that interested there. Um, 
at least right now. But he's got a he's got plenty of fans. Like I mean, Marsh Marsh is a popular prospect. Uh, he does have some speed. Um, but I, you know, I think I'll probably be looking at something else in that range. Maybe a maybe a pitching a starting pitching sleeper, or maybe like a third closer or something like that. Uh, hopefully, I have five outfielders at that point. Um, but yeah, I think he will have an ADP inside the top 300. Nice. Well, if you'll bear with me a minute, take care of some business here from, with a few words from our sponsors. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Also, the summer is coming to an end, which means only one month until postseason baseball. There's no better place to be than vivid seats to watch your team race towards the postseason. So grab your MLB tickets, maybe a, uh, maybe a stadium hot dog or two, and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Even better, they have a rewards program designed to provide real rewards for fans. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game to see your favorite performer or that new show everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Finally, the new NFL season is fast approaching and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. Yahoo is also excited to announce that its platform will now be shark-free. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and being shark-free, Yahoo is giving users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join Yahoo's Week 1 $1 million baller contest. The $1 million baller contest features $200,000 in guaranteed prizing overlay. 25% of the players entered will be paid out, including first place receiving $100,000 $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer. I got my uh, second of two fantasy football drafts tonight. Looking forward to that. Um, I had a two QB draft last night. Took Kyler Murray at four overall. Got some some laughs in the draft room, James. But <laughs> Kyler's my boy. I'll stick by. Um, back to baseball though. Trevor Larnick 
you know, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle behind Kirloff. But uh, do you like what you saw and have seen from, from Larnick this season? No. I mean, I think he deserves to get lost in the shuffle behind Kirloff uh, <laughs> uh, to some degree. Um, oh, yeah. He, he, I mean, he's not, he's not that caliber of, of hitter. Uh, he's got just as much raw power, but, uh, you know, the strikeout rates dating back to the minor leagues have always sort of been um, a bit of a, a warning sign, uh, just given his age at, at those levels. And uh, I think all told, things went about as poorly as they could have gone for him this year. He's missed time with injuries. He uh, struggled mightily in the majors. He struggled even at AAA. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if you want to call it like a lost season, but certainly a season that he will be looking to move on from and improve on next year. Uh, I projected that he would be going outside of the top 350 in NFBC drafts. Uh, probably wouldn't be interested in him. Um, you know, the one thing that, you know, if, if it looks like he's got an everyday spot for whatever reason, uh, entering the season, then I think he's he's a little interesting because I mean, the, like I said, the power is definitely legit. Um, but I mean, he's he's probably other than a Rosarena, he's probably the oldest guy we're talking about so far. And for he that, really to be have the, case, the speed factor. Oh no, he's he's also probably the slowest guy we're talking about so far. <laughs> um, so for him to be that old and a have basically the worst year of any of these guys besides Kalnick. Uh, just, I don't, I don't think you should be like a post type sleeper, Trevor Larnick for next year. Um, you know, if he, if he shows some signs, you know, I, I could see him maybe opening the year at like triple a and then improving. And, and then we start getting, getting excited about him again, but, um, for redraft, I, I think Larnock just had such a bad year that I don't, I don't think there's much of a reason to, to invest. I don't want to rule him out entirely because in many Minnesota, there probably will be opportunity there, but without the speed um, to kind of prop up his value a little bit, I think it'll, it'll probably be tough for him. What about Ryan Mountcastle? I got to say, I wasn't a believer, but he's kind of turned me into one. Just a better player than I expected. Um where do you see him going? Maybe inside the top 200? I said 125 to 175. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's about right. Like, that was kind of – like, he was going about, like, on the high end of that range coming into the year, right? Like, yeah. around 125. 807 OPS, 25 bombs. If he's going a little even cheaper than he was this draft season, I think – yeah, I could see myself being in on Mountcastle, but I, I wouldn't push him much more than, you know, 150 or so. Well, I, I'll take an L on Mountcastle because um, I was probably even lower than you on him coming into the year. Um, you know, I I like what what he's done this year hasn't necessarily surprised me, um, but I just this is not. Um, the statistical profile I'm usually looking for 
in especially inside the top 150 uh but even like 175 i just i think i'll be priced out i mean i think um like a guy who hits like 260 with 25 plus homers um you know and even the the 264 average might have been a bit lucky for him this year um that that type of statistical profile like I'd rather try to find that at like pick 250. Um, usually there's like some old veteran who's going around that range who who's capable of doing that. Um, people love drafting Orioles too. So yeah, I think there's going to be enough, uh, enough buzz around Malcastle that I, I probably won't end up with him for a second year in a row. I feel like I know which side of the fence you're on with Nick Madrigal because you made it pretty clear when he was uh, with the White Sox. Now with Chicago, oh, the other uh, Chicago team on the north side, Chicago Cubs, you know, probably more opportunities to prove himself. He's got the speed and the bat to ball. But really, the, the lack of power makes him tough to roster in a mixed league. Um, do you still think somebody in a mixer is going to roster him, jump him up, and grab him because of that speed? Well, not, not the speed. It's the batting average. Like, he he's stolen three bases in eighty three games. So like, Gee, I thought the I, speed I was the part of the selling. It, it was one I of mean, the, the people selling. that w- I mean, yeah, the people that liked Magical the most liked him for the batting average, the runs, and the speed. So far, he's only given you uh, the batting average. Like he in three hundred twenty four plate appearances, he's scored thirty eight runs with three steals and a 317 average. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, mean, I, I had in my head that he could run a little bit because he stole what 30 plus in 2019 in the minors, but mm-hmm. he only one bag this year. Oh. I mean, you just, Jesse Roach had a great tweet this morning about Zach V and like people really rely too much. I think on minor league stolen base totals at times. Um, but I mean, I even thought Madrigal would steal more than he's stolen so far. Uh, I 100% buy that he's like he he's a going to be an annual batting title um, contender. Like I think he could, like he could have a run where he hits over 300 like five or six years in a row, something like that. So um, I'm not discounting that part of his game. But yeah, I mean the the power and speed. I mean if you. Like if you're gonna get ten home runs plus stolen bases on the season, I mean that's tough. Uh, just not the way I want to build my team. And um, like one of my biggest strengths as a drafter in roto leagues is getting a high batting average. And so, like the the guys like Nick Madrigal, who you draft specifically to prop up your batting average, like that's not a weakness for me. Um, so I just I'm not going to go after that type of guy. So I, I think they're especially the fact like he might like lead off for the Cubs all year, and um, so I mean I, I think there will be people that are willing to take Nick Madrigal in that sort of 300 range, uh, but it won't be me. I remember some talk about maybe Madrigal swipes 30 bags this year, <laughs> like leading off for the White Sox. Um, mm expectations unrealistic there in that department but really if he's not running how do you roster that guy he's got no power 
I just don't know. I mean, he's basically like David Fletcher, but with less power. I just don't know how you even <laughs> roster less, that less power than David Fletcher. It's amazing. Yeah. But well, yeah, I mean, I, like um, him, like I think of like him and and Fletcher and Luis Arias, like like those guys, like they probably should be rostered. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even saying someone shouldn't roster him. Like if you if you look at Nick Madrigal and then you look at your waiver wire in a 15 team league, like Nick Madrigal is better than the hitters that are going to be out there. But it's just not a player that I would recommend rostering where you have to draft him. Yeah, I don't know if I can really see the case in a mixer anyway I slice it, but. That'll be another guy I have to circle back on this offseason. Now, if we talked about these next two players two, three weeks ago, I probably would have said both going outside the top 350. But Leody Tavares, Captain Kirk, Alejandro Kirk, uh, both have kind of surged in recent weeks. So we'll start with Tavares. Uh, do you think that speed push he's making is going to bump him up significantly, kind of reignite interest for 2022? So my prediction on him was in the 350 plus range, so kind of the the reserve rounds of a 15 team draft. Um, I think I think his play down the stretch here uh, has kind of moved him from undrafted to you know reserve round range. I, I still think everyone should rightly be concerned about what type of batting average he'll hit for in the majors. Um, you know, I think he, you can look at his numbers at AAA and depending on what angle you want to take, you could paint it in a, you know, glass half full or glass half empty. Like I think the, the strikeout rate is probably decent relative to like what maybe we would have expected given how much he struck out in the majors, uh, 25%. I mean, he hit 17 homers, uh, only stole 13 bases at AAA, um, and he's already stolen seven in the majors um, in 27 games. So that's kind of interesting. But, um, you know, I think if, if, you're, if you're light on speed and he is going in that 350-plus that range and it looks like he's uh, trending towards an everyday role out of camp, uh, I could see getting in on, on Tavares. I think a lot will probably depend on these next three weeks or so, but I, I'm i leaning toward him going higher than that. I'm going to say it's uh, around 250, I'm going to say. So mm. I just feel like there's going to be some team who's desperate for speed, who looks at the Texas depth chart and sees Tavares first at a position and just says, all right, I got to make up some ground and um, – that just as the case with Roto Leagues, there's always some team desperate. And Tavares is just the classic case of a guy who gets pushed up. But I don't like to uh, – I think generally, you know, building my team, I want to put myself in a position where I do not have to, to chase a guy like Tavares. And Kirk, man, he's trying to single-handedly carry the dead carcass that is my stake team back to eater range, I feel like. Two homers. <laughs> yesterday and I got him for a zero dollar ad last week and he's just I think he's got three homers over the past week and uh, I really like this guy's bat it seems like you really feel good about him at least not hurting you which is a lot more than you can say for a lot of catchers yeah I love Kirk um 
I predicted 150 to 200 range for him. And this is, again, this is for the 15-team two-catcher NFPC league. So what do, you, what do you think about that range? I think that sounds about right for two catchers, um, especially assuming he continues to, to play well and is the pretty clear number one heading into next year. I think um, that'd be about right, and I think I'd be in on Kirk then. Yeah, I mean, he – He's just been so impressive every step of the way uh, for him to have jumped as quickly through the minors as he has and to just continue to showcase that plus hit tool. Uh, really, really impressive. Um, I'm going to say usually, 150 is a little steep, but around 200 I'll be good with. Well, you're never, you know, in these NFBC two-catcher leagues, I feel like you're never getting a catcher. You're never like, oh man, that, what a steal. Like I'm, I'm really happy with that price. Like if you want to get one of the good ones, it's going to sting a little. And sometimes that ends up being worth it. Like, I mean, where you had to take like Sal Perez this year, it wasn't, you weren't like, oh, that's an easy call. Just grab Sal Perez. Like it, you were passing over really good um, starting pitchers, really good, position players at other positions, but I mean, it paid off. So uh, I, you know, it's, it's all about like roster construction, like what pocket of players do you like kind of in the range where he's going? Um, I mean, like, would you, like if, if you were up and you didn't have a catcher yet, would you take Alejandro Kirk or Andrew Vaughn? Mm, good question. I think, I think I'd lean Vaughn just because I feel a little bit better about the volume. How about Kirk versus Carlson and Kirilov? I think I'd lean Kirk. Actually, Carlson's a little tough, but Kirilov, I'd lean Kirk just because of the injury to the wrist for Kirilov. But that is tough. I mean, Kirk, he was on the IL pretty recently, right? And he just kind of like, until a couple weeks ago, it was kind of labeled as a big disappointment in fantasy. So, um, I guess maybe not a big disappointment, but he really hadn't done much over the first four months. Um, but since August 2nd, betting 319 with four bombs, six walks to only eight Ks, by the way, in that stretch. But uh, these final four guys will kind of lump together here, James Ryan Jeffers, Bobby Dahlbeck, Taylor Walls. Taylor Trammell in regular NF, uh, NFBC leagues, redraft leagues, uh, mixers. Do you see any of these guys being drafted regularly in those formats next year? Yeah. And just quickly again, th- these are, we're talking about every single hitting prospect who was in the top 200 preseason who has now graduated. So, um, you know, I don't think I think Ryan Jeffers, Taylor Walls, Taylor Trammell, like I think they all go undrafted um, for the most part. I mean, I, maybe Jeffers, you know, if Garber's hurt or something, or maybe Walls if it looks like he's gonna get, gonna have a job or something. But uh, for the most part, I think these guys all go undrafted. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, I think, definitely gets drafted. Like I think he's he's a guy who goes in the 250 to maybe 350 range. Um, he has really come on. Like, I mean, he's, he's hit for power. I mean, he always hits for power, 
but he's really cut the strikeouts down uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, month or so. Um, let me just see if I can. So, yeah, over like the last 27 games, he's got a 21% strikeout rate and nine homers. So um, he's just doing a ton of damage while not striking out a lot. So I think, I think like Bobby Dahlbeck's going to have some big time supporters this off season talking about the adjustments he made down the stretch and everything and how much power he has. So uh, Dahlbeck is definitely going to get drafted. Um, I'm, I'm going to do a bit more digging on him, but I I'm in, I'm intrigued because when you have that, that massive tool, that, that big time power, and then you show improvements with the hit tool. That's usually like a, a type of guy that I'm I'm interested in the following season. So, um, uh, yeah, I think he's he's very interesting. Yeah, he's about the only one out of this group before that I could see myself rostering next year. Maybe Jeffers in a two catcher league where I really wait and wait on that second catcher. Walls great defensively, but I just don't see the bat being there. And kind of same with Trammell. I just I don't know if he can hit for a high enough average to uh, allow the uh, homers and steals to play in fantasy. James, great stuff today. By the way, uh, our buddy Andrew, he picked his walk-up song. I turned my selection this week over to Andrew. He picked If You Know, You Know by Pusha T, which you uh, endorsed. I still need to listen to that song. I've never heard. Yeah, it's it's really funny that you picked that because there's been like a couple weeks where I've that was like kind of one of the ones I was considering. So that's that's a great great call by Andrew. Uh, not surprised. Um, he also threw out Barry Bonds by Kanye as an honorable mention. That'd be another great one. Um, mine this week is going to be. That's all right. <laughs> you don't have to say that. You don't have to throw that stipulation in every time Kanye West gets brought up. I feel like I do have to. That guy just rubs me the wrong way, but that's all right. I'll get over it. Um, my selection is going to be The Hop by Tribe Called Quest. Um, by the way, did you see when Kanye had like Marilyn Manson on stage recently? What, what What's ever been cool yeah. about Marilyn Manson? He sucks. And he's like a abuser. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't like the people Kanye endorses. I'll just say that. <laughs> Fair enough. So what was your song? I'm sorry. I cut you off. I didn't even... um, the Hop by Tribe Called Quest. Okay. I do. I got really into Tribe a few years ago and uh, was catching up on some stuff I missed previously. Well, great stuff, James. Uh, winding down here on the Prospect Pod. We'll be back next week, and then after next week's show, I'm going to be uh, dipping out for a little while, hitting a little road trip, so I'll not be on on the uh, Friday, September 17th pod with Zola. But I look forward to talking with you next week on September 15th, James. Anything else you want to mention? No. uh, Good stuff, man. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you about weekend fab. Yeah, sounds good, and thanks for – putting together the outline and uh, all the insight, James. Thank you all for being with us. Hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.